I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Flippin' Bats with Ben Verlander is your only place for the World Baseball Classic coverage. Hi, I'm Ben Verlander, host of Flippin' Bats. And I'm Alex Curry, co-host of Flippin' Bats. From Taiwan to Phoenix and Miami, we'll be providing you daily updates on all the action taking place in this year's WBC. So wherever you get your podcasts, make sure to like and subscribe us at Flippin' Bats. What is up, family? Welcome to Speak. This is about to be a very, very thorough, exciting, great Monday show. But we have to start by introducing ourselves. I'm Emmanuel Acho. This is the brilliant Joy Taylor to my left. Eagles all-time rushing leader, LaShawn Shady McCoy to my right. And we are going to go places. Glad that you are going to come there with us. Welcome to Speak. Let's get right to it. The NBA, it's been the news of the weekend, y'all. They are conducting an investigation into an Instagram Live video that superstar John Morant posted recently in which he displayed what appeared to be a gun. Now, the Grizzlies had initially said that John Morant would be away for two games, but head coach Taylor Jenkins said yesterday, there is no timetable for the return, close quote. I could not be more excited, one, that you all are here having this conversation with us, but just as importantly, that Shady and Joy are going to be the people that I get to partake in this conversation with. A lot of great thoughts were shared before the show. Glad to have them with y'all now. My pervasive thought around John Morant is this, that for so long in society, there has had to be a qualification of who you are. As a man, as a woman, as a human being, we often try to qualify who we are, play a certain character. Well, John Morant is a black man, and so it appears to me that John Morant is trying to qualify his blackness, trying to qualify his hoodness, trying to qualify that he is some degree of a macho man that society wants him to be. John Morant is choosing a life that did not choose him. So now the question is, why is he doing that? It is as if in society now, black people have to be a monolith, at least black Men have to fall into a category of, well, you have to be uh, talk a certain way. You have to walk a certain way. You have to watch a certain movie. You have to buy a certain shoe. You have to carry yourself in a certain manner to qualify yourself as black. Your experience is your expertise. So my experience is knowing that all too well. Though I'm 6'2", 240 in a black frame, I went to private school, two-parent home. Parents been married, I believe, for 38 years now. So, Shady, growing up, I would often hear, man, Acho, you black, but you're not black, black. I mean, you don't even talk like you're black. You don't even walk like you're black. Acho, you're like an Oreo. Black on the outside. Instead of Oreo. White on the inside. Now, at 32 years old, I can handle that in totality, but at 13 years old, I cannot. And at 23, I doubt I would be able to handle it in the same manner in which I can handle it now at 32. 
Now, I am not going to project my life experience upon John Morant, not at all, although he did grow up in a two-parent home and he went to high school from what I have researched in the suburbs. I'm not going to project my life experience on him. What I will say is I have had to, and I understand having to try to qualify something, qualify your blackness. I'm not speaking about black skin color. I'm speaking about black, the culture. So I can understand why John Morant might feel the need, if this is a part of the motivation for his actions, might feel the need to qualify himself. Maybe is more hood than he grew up. Maybe is more thug than he grew up. Maybe is more gangster than he grew up because society, at least a certain sect of society, continues to put pressure upon people to be something that they are not. And I can say through firsthand experience, I have felt that pressure. And as a young adult, I may have caved to that pressure. Maybe not the same degree, but caved nonetheless. Joy? Well, this is a very layered, nuanced conversation. And it really hurts me when you say things like, like it's painful to hear you say that you be looked at as less black because you have two parents in your home because you had a father in your life. Like that's crazy that we would even use that as a qualification for what makes you a man and a black man. And that's based in so much historical white supremacist talking points and mentality that's just been carried over really from slavery. And I'm sorry to go on this tangent right now, but that's really what it is. Like black men, black people had to be dehumanized and made to feel and made to appear like we don't feel the same level of pain, like we don't have the same sensitivities in order for slavery to exist. And trickle down effect, here we are. You have to qualify yourself as a black man by acting a certain way. In some ways, I agree with you. I feel like this is a bigger cultural conversation of what we expect black men to show up as. It's not a monolith. And I don't think that's the sole problem here. I think the problem surrounding John Moran is he has, he has the wrong people around him. He has people who don't care about his career as much as they need to, that are encouraging him to be in these spaces and take it to this extreme. In reality, what did he do that was wrong was enter into the space of violence, the guns, the laser, the, the situation with the 17-year-old. That's, where, that's why we're worried right now, because we are afraid that this is going to turn to wrong place, wrong time, or a situation that can't be undone. But to me, it's a very layered conversation. There's a lot that we're going to get into here. To me, the bottom line is he needs to recognize this is a very critical time in his life and the decisions that he's making, the people that he is surrounding himself with are not keeping him from situations that could turn violent, which is why we are all concerned, which is why the NBA is investigating, which is why the police are investigating, which is why he's away from the team. So no one's exaggerating the seriousness of the situation. That said, I was in my early 20s once, and I made a lot of bad choices. I made bad choices throughout my 20s. It takes a long time to get to a space where you have full confidence in yourself. I don't know John Morant personally. You don't, we don't, none of us really know what his insecurities are, what his fears are, what is leading to these choices. And I can also very much relate to the need to almost do something that's self-destructive or that you just, you free yourself of the inhibition of any kind of consequences. I can relate to that feeling. But when you have a daughter, which John Moran has, when you have a career that can be taken away like that, which John Moran has, and you have a life, like forget the career and the talent and the life and the daughter, like him as an individual man, you have so much to offer the world outside of basketball, just who you are as a person. 
to put yourself in a situation where you could jeopardize all of that or encourage and attract violence is just is why everyone's concerned. Shady, what do you make of the John Morant situation? Um, it's tricky, man. And I've been seeing a lot of people comment on it. And this is different. This is like from what we do, we always comment on like, can he play basketball? Can, can he be coachable? Can he win a championship? This right here touched me more because I, I've been in his shoes, right? And I think, and I, I see where you guys are going with it. I'm going to go a different perspective on it. And I, it's hard to, to, to be a young black successful athlete at such a young age, right? And I, and I get what you were going to as far as sometimes as black men, we got to act a certain way to be accepted. I think this situation is a little different. I think when I really just learn about John Morant and, and his background, um, and I try to look at myself, and it's like he has to mature. I think that's the, the, the biggest concern is, is maturity. He's 23 years old. He's a $200 million guy. Right? The thing is, when you grow up in the hood, the hood, neighborhood, whatever you want to call it, and these same friends that, that may not be the best for him, some of them friends that we talked about, probably went to church with him, went to school with him, and they probably had things going on. But to, to them, the friends, he's John Morant. To John Morant, those are his friends. The thing is, as you get older, you got to involve. Where now, I have friends like that. And the difference is now, when we hang out, let's take our kids to Disney World. I could pay for it. He could pay for it. We're going to hang out and do stuff like that, right? We're not going to carry guns. I've been situations where when I was young, I carried guns. And I had a father, right? My father was great. Right? Married for 38 years like your parents. The difference was is, is at a point where my father's not always going to be with me. John Morant's dad did a great job, I think, with him. People were giving him backlash about his father. I think his dad did a great job with John Morant. The thing is, he's not going to be with him every day. Mm-hmm. And there's times where I had to make good decisions and bad decisions. Vice versa. Same thing with Ja. Good and bad decisions. We're going to make bad decisions because we're still young. Think about this for a second, Ancho. Not only when you become 21, 22, 23 years old, you get all this money, all this fame that you never had. You instantly become the head of the household. Mm-hmm. John Moran is not just only the head of his household. He's the head of his household with all his friends. So think about this. When one of his best friends he grew up with, right, that might need money for something, his, his mom might need, need something, they're going to come to him, right? So the, even the thing with the gun situation is wrong. It's definitely wrong. But it's about growing. Think about this. Now, when I got drafted, I was for making some money. I got my own gun, right? My friends had their guns. That's just what you see in the hood growing up. I, at 12, 13, I seen guys with guns. It's protection. But now that you have that type of money and that type of status, you got to think like that. He's 23, still young. He's not thinking like that. So now, instead of you having a gun, John Morant, let the security guard have a gun. These are things you got to learn. And the only way you learn is from growing. And I, I think that people love to talk about it like it's so easy to do. He should do this. He should do that. That was dumb. You don't see it like that. And I think that the, the way that he could move on and be involved is when they take something from you, that means, you know, something that you grew up loving to do, play basketball. Since you've been a little boy, your dad training with you, your sister plays ball, it's you love to do. It's your career. When they take it away from you, now you sit back. Now you don't blame them friends. You start thinking about them friends. Okay, this friend right here, yeah, he, he loves me. I love for me. But is it the love because he can gain something from me or is it the love that he cares about me? Because growing up in the hood, you have guys, they call them OGs, they call them big homies, they call them big bros. If you don't have an older brother or a father figure, you have somebody to tell you right from wrong. Nah, Shady, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't be out here too late. You got to go home. You got a career, right? And there's some friends that might keep you out there because that's your boy. But there's other situations where you don't have that and you have an OG to say, go home. I think John Randy's look at his career and reevaluate it because now 
if they if things get spicy and the cops are involved now and investigation things go the other way now your career is involved so i just hope that it's about learning and making the right decision. I got a question for both of y'all, because, Shady, you said it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. Joy, you, you spoke earlier, and you also said what John Moran did is wrong. But I think we, we have to at least, let me allow the viewer to understand, there are two lenses to look at this. What John Moran has done is based upon the NBA legality wrong, based upon society legality wrong. But let me ask you first, Joy, and then, Shady, I'll ask you the same question. But is it culturally wrong? Because... I don't think that the viewers truly understand John Moran is also navigating through aspects of right and wrong. There's legally wrong, and then there's culturally wrong. And it's something, Joy, I think that you spoke to. So speak to the aspect of what might be legally wrong might actually be culturally accepted, or you could go furthermore and even say culturally esteemed at times. So I think there's a line. Right. We've seen athletes be in this situation before. Mark Spears wrote a great article today comparing John Morant's situation to Carmelo Anthony. It's a very, very similar timeline of starting to be in behaviors and in situations and circumstances that could really jeopardize your career and having a moment, like Shady said, where something's taken away that kind of or could be taken away that kind of gives you clarity and, and, and growth in the situation. I think there are definitely some validations up to a point that are culturally accepted. It's, it's now that it's passed into a space where it could, be, it could create violence that everyone is like, okay, we've, we've taken it too far. It's gone too far because it is legal, because it could re- result in something awful happening, something tragic happening. So yeah, I would agree. But I think, I think that's really where, where Jaw has to evaluate. Shady just talked about it. There's friends who will make sure you go home, make sure, they, make sure you, they're watching for you. Jaw's in a very unique situation. We've all been young and done dumb dumb things. I've done so many incredibly stupid things, very dangerous things, things that could have put my life in danger, other people's lives in danger, ruined my life, many bad decisions. It's about setting boundaries with yourself, setting the expectations that you want for your life, and holding people around you as accountable to what you want as for their behavior as your behavior, because that's really what it is. You are what you surround yourself with. If you want to be in great shape, you're going, to, you're going to surround yourself with people who want to work out. If you want to be successful, you're going to surround yourself with people who also want to be successful. That, that's just what it is. It's your environment. And when you become an adult, and this is what our parents always try to tell us, but we were young, we didn't listen, is what you surround yourself with is what you become. You are what you habitually do. So to me, that's really where Jai is right now. He's at a crossroads in his life where he has to decide... How is he going to define himself as a man? Forget what people expect of me. Forget what I'm supposed to represent. Forget what people culturally want me to be or if I'm supposed to be the face of the NBA or what my family wants me to be. What do I want to be as, as, a, as a person, as a man, yeah. and I, as an individual? I and I, I, just, I just feel like, like you say, culturally and, 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 what's your, and uh, legally. And le- well, legally, um, we don't know if, if the gun was registered or not, right. so I can't go into that. But even culturally, like... Even when you say that, I, I, I mean, like, it's still, it's learning. Like, he, he had a gun on him, and then it's, this guy's worth $20 million. So, if he, he shouldn't have been flashed on Instagram, I understand that. But then when you take a, a kid that is 1% of the world, mm-hmm. think about this. How you, you go from 21, 22 years old to making millions of dollars, all this fame? Nobody can go through that, right? But Bob, or not even Bob, but whoever is in that 1%, yeah. when they go through that, it's a different lens. So, he has to see himself as, okay, wow, I'm John Morant. I'm a franchise. I'm the franchise player. I'm in a billion dollar business. I got, he got to see himself different. And that's all of this growing and learning and maturing. I, I feel like these, 
I, I hate it, it went like this, but these are learning steps, you know, and everybody's trying to, he, he should be smart, he should do this and that. It ain't that easy, man. It ain't that easy. And I just think that John Morant going forward, I think now he's aware. He's aware that I'm not Ja from South Carolina. All right, what then, Shady? Because you were the highest paid at your position. You are a superstar athlete. You are still uh, a LaShawn McCoy, will yeah. be a Hall of Famer one day. What would your advice then be to Ja Morant? Because they say uh, uh, a wise man learns from the mistakes of others, a yep. fool learns from his own mistakes. So if you don't want Ja to be a fool and you want him to be a wise man and learn from the mistakes of others, what would LaShawn McCoy's advice to Ja Morant then be? I would tell him this. I would tell Ja Morant, I would say, you know, look at yourself as a business, right? Don't look at yourself as John Morant from the hood or John Morant from South Carolina. Look at yourself as a business. And every step and every decision you make, it could be your last. It could better you or worsen you. And you never want to put yourself in a situation where now they're trying to take the game you love, to see the game that supports your family, the game that supports your daughter. You never want to get in a situation like that where now it's at risk. Every decision you make can be your last. Um, and, and I will say this, every step is learning steps, right? It's okay to learn. It's okay to make mistakes and respond. It's how you respond, how you get up. Um, another thing I would tell him is never go somewhere. This is, this is, I've been places where I had like, you know, friends with me. We've been in bars where, where it was an it bar to go to. Guys, been a year, five, six guys and lost their lives in there, but it's that place to go. And when I'm young at 23, 22 years old, I'm going to that place. I got my gun on me, my boys got our guns and we going. We're not looking for trouble, but we're prepared. And I had to realize like, man, I'm risking so much. I got in some trouble, right? I've been sued so many times for different things, places I shouldn't even have been. I, had none, I wouldn't do nothing wrong, but I was there. And I think with John Murray, I would tell him, never go somewhere where you're the richest man in the room. Never go somewhere where you have the most to lose because it ain't worth it, right? It ain't worth it. I, I've been praying for John Morant. hope the thing works out for him, but never go somewhere where you have the most to lose. Well said. Incredibly deep. Uh, going from off the court in the NBA to on the court. If you were watching the Suns last night, then you basically watched the playoff game. Suns, Mavericks, it was phenomenal. <laughs> and Kevin Durant okay. led the way okay. to a Suns thrilling victory. But should the new look Suns, Kevin Durant Suns, be the favorite to win the NBA title? Oh, we got to catch you up next on Steve. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, Kevin Durant, he definitely has rewarded Suns fans since he showed up. Best game since a big trade in Phoenix. He finished with a game-high 37 points, including the tie-breaking jumper in the closing seconds. And it was all against his former teammate Kyrie Irving and the Dallas Mavericks. Now, this game really had that playoff type of atmosphere. 128, 126, you see right there. Luka Doncic, Devin Booker getting into it. I was living for this ball game. I got to be honest, if I can borrow a shady card. I got to be honest. (laughs) Um, The Suns should be title favorites. Not my title favorites, but at least Vegas title favorites. I will talk about mine later. Shout out to Giannis. Y'all know where I stand. Always and forever. (laughs) But am I watching that game? I'm watching Kevin Durant, who can literally get a bucket at ease. I watched how he talked about getting that last bucket, and he was like, when I finally have the dude on my hip, I knew I could rise up, shoot right over. I just rewatched the play over and over and over. Is that what he said? And that's what he said. That's what he said. Mm. Nobody can stop Kevin Durant when it comes down to getting buckets. Then I thought about it like this. 
Kevin Durant was on the court with Luka Doncic, one of the best players playing right now, Devin Booker, first-team All-NBA last year, Kyrie Irving, one of the best scorers at the rim in the history of the Basketball Association, in the history of the game, and KD had the most points on the fewest shots. Y'all do the math, because that math don't math. 37 points, and he took the fewest shots of the four? Come on now. So when you think about the Suns, who have the best record in basketball over the prior two seasons by 14 games, and you ask, add Kevin Durant to that team, a top 12 player in the history of the National Basketball Association, how could they not be title favorites? They should be, at least to me, Slick Rick Dubuque. I see you writing profusely, Slick. You're scaring me. Yeah, you're making uh, me nervous. Uh, you're making me nervous. Of all those great players that you talked about that they face, the Dallas Mavericks, and w- that play for the Dallas Mavericks, w- which one was the, the best defensive player? Which, w- which one was the I guess defensive Bullock. player, the – I guess I mean, that's the only guy that plays defense. I mean, Bullock on that. The guy that they were going after all game long? Yeah, that would be the guy. Look, um, <laughs> no, they should not be the title favorites. Did, did the eastern half of the United States fall <laughs> off into the ocean? Like, are we not? Are we not? Like, your boy Giannis, did he retire? He did. did, he, did, did okay, so for me, uh, if you want to have the Phoenix Suns as the favorite to come out of the West, I have no problem with that. I believe it's by default because – all of the other teams that I thought were contenders, um, I'm just not so sure about, including the Denver Nuggets. They've got to prove it until otherwise. But uh, as I see it, are we basing this on what they've done so far? Because what they've done so far is they've played two of the worst offensive teams in the league, in the Bulls and the Hornets. Why do you always do this? And then they played the Dallas Mavericks, one of the worst defensive teams in the oh league. My gosh. They still gave up 126 points well, on most nights. That's going to get you beat. They won, Joy? They, allowed, they okay. allowed the Dallas Mavericks to shoot 49% overall, 40% from three-point range, and shoot 35 free throws. So you can enjoy the run, but are you telling me that, like, you said nobody can guard Kevin Durant. Nobody. And yeah. you know what? So far right. that they've played, but I got – Marcus Smart, Defensive Player of the Year, over with Boston. I've got Jason Tatum, who, in spite of what Shady may say, is probably the best defensive player at his position, and certainly a two-way player. Let's see that against the Knicks. We got Giannis. Giannis, of course. We got Drew Holiday. Like, there are guys that they're going to have to face to win a title that are immensely better than anything that they face. So I don't want to rain on the parade. You know, you guys always do this. Who's stopping this? Look at this, though. Look at who's stopping this. You guys do this. You do this. I have to be the sane one. So now I'm Mr. Derpy Derp because I've always got to pull it back. I can love what KD is doing with the Suns and at the same time say, don't go quite that far. Joy, where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Should the Suns be title favorites? The Suns, look, KD's amazing, amazing. and plug and play God, the God. The God. It is there, the God. I like where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> they should definitely be the favorites in the West. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> actually, I mean, well. Scared me. The Nuggets really should be, but I don't trust the Nuggets. Agreed. So they should be. Um, and I do think there is no one that can stop Kevin Durant. I think you can try, but he, he just is going to rise He's up. He's going to get his. Yeah. He'll get his. His shot, to me, is the most reminiscent of Kareem's skyhook that we've seen in the NBA. He's just – he's so tall and can just jump up and shoot. Like, there's no, there's no blocking it. He's just unstoppable. But I, I got to put some respect on the Eastern Conference. We've done a lot of talking about the Western Conference mm-hmm. this year. That's where all the stories have been. That's all where all the fun has been outside of Brooklyn. And there's just some really good teams over there that have played really consistent basketball – 
two-way basketball, which I know is boring. But in the postseason, getting stops matter. I, I was thinking about the other day because we, t- we talked so much about Kyrie's shot. And I'm like, you know, I think Kyrie's shot has almost overtaken the block. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, the rundown block by, right? by LeBron like, in the play. Which play was more, more important? So I, I would say both mattered, obviously. Yeah. But, like, that's, that's how that game went. So, and I think that's a really great uh, just little bubble to throw out there to remind everyone that this is a game where you have to play both sides of the court in the postseason. Mm. So I'm not saying that the Suns don't have defense. Kevin Durant is a great defensive player and a great offensive player. And I think they have enough to win a title. I still would be surprised, as I said before, they're not a super team to me. Chris Paul they're is not. not the same player that he was three or four years ago. Uh, they, they're just not. It's not the same thing as the, as the Heat. It's not the same thing as Golden State. This will be an accomplishment, particularly when you're talking about beating those teams in the East. We're talking about a lot of defense. I don't know why. We've got the gall. We've got the gall. <laughs> Kevin Durant, listen, he makes the game easier for everybody. So I won't go as far as say, you know, the favorites for a finals championship, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm always, I'm big on this getting there. They're definitely for sure the favorite in the West. When I watch that game against the Mavs, I don't know what you, how you're trying to uh, paint this picture. The Mavs are not a good team. They're still working together. They're a hell of a team. They score a lot of points. Kevin Durant, he, he makes the, the, the game so much easier for the Suns. Like, if we talk about the Mavs and Kyrie Irving and Luka kind of gelling together, we talk about Westbrook going to the Clippers. They're a better team, but it's taking time for them to gel. Kevin Durant comes in there. Bomb. He's scoring 37 points on 17 shots. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that game. I'm like, wow, this, this team's hard to defend. The third quarter, they started having Kevin Durant play point guard. I said, oh, my God, it's over. <laughs> and as the game got later on, fourth quarter, right, they were double-teaming Booker, right? Mm-hmm. Then, they, then they tried double-teaming Kevin Durant, hitting the CP3, open three balls. How do you guard these guys? You got Aiden down there getting, getting – um, um, from the mismatches of, of, you know, trying to put your best defender on KD or Booker yep. in the pick and rolls. Now you got Aiden on, on a small forward, g- getting second uh, chance rebounds. When I watch this team, it's like, how do you defend this team? Another thing, real quick. Since KD has came, right, mm-hmm. Devin Booker's playing lights out. He's shooting better from the, from the, from the field goal yep. at 56%. Right, when he was at 45%. He's averaging 10 more points a game mm-hmm. at 36 with mm-hmm. Kevin Durant when he's averaging 26. And then his three-pointer, three he always can shoot the three-pointer, but he's shooting at 35%. Now he's shooting at 50%. So every way you cut it, you slice this, this cake up, this pizza, whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. they have a better team than Kevin Durant. I don't know what y'all seen, that's why, but I've seen it, dog. It look good. That's why I think they should be. Title okay. favorites. Like, I remember coming on this show for two consecutive years, and for whatever reason, the Brooklyn Nets were title favorites. Right. Mm-hmm. For two consecutive years, we saw KD, we saw Harden, we saw, and even before it was KD and Harden, even when it was KD and Kyrie, Kyrie yeah. title favorites. They were, they were, yeah. So I'm thinking to myself, if we saw a KD and Kyrie team and said, you know what, they should be title favorites, how can you pick how can the proverbial thought be to pick against the Suns? Now, I'm going with Giannis, but I blind faith go with Giannis. Like, I have some thought process, right? Drew Holiday, better defender. Middleton can play defense when need be, and he can get a bucket. And Giannis is Giannis. But if you look at what Shady was talking about. Come on. KD, who can give you 40 they shoot all, and They all shoot all better, too. Book, who can give you 40 whenever he wants. Mm-hmm. Aiton, who can give you 15 and 15 on any given day. And then Chris Paul, who's still going to give you 10, 11 assists. He only going to give right. you probably eight points. Don't, don't leave him open. But it'll give you 8 and 12 or right, give you 12 right. and 12. Yeah. How can you reasonably pick against that? Because they are going to be going up against opponents who can slow down one of those pieces. They're very top-heavy. They beat the Dallas Mavericks because Kyrie Irving went off and KD went off. 
When you're playing against the Bucks, so you're playing against the, uh, the Booker uh, went off. When when you're when you're playing against the best of the best, they're going to limit somebody. Like KD will still go off. We've seen Booker have off games. Mm-hmm. Where do the Phoenix Suns go? Can they live off of their defense? To your point, when you you mentioned the the Cavs win with the rundown block and the shot. The fact of the matter is, in the last five minutes of that game, I think that was the only they basket shot, scored. Yeah, it was. On both sides. Right? On both sides. On both sides. You're right. You're right. So it often comes down to, if you can't score, can you still win the game? If you only get one bucket, can you still win the game? I know the Milwaukee Bucks can do that. I know the Boston Celtics can do that. Do I know the Phoenix Suns can do that? No, but, I but, do not. But, so but, I just think, I, look, I know what they're capable of, but I also see them as being vulnerable. Slick, I hear you. I do hear you. <laughs> yeah. But my thing is, so if we look at the, the, the Milwaukee Bucks, because they probably might come out the, the of East. Course, Hopefully the Sixers do, but they don't. You're going to put Drew Holiday on Booker mm-hmm. and Middleton on Kevin Durant? That's what we're going to do here? Okay. He's going to kill him. Okay. So, you, so you're going to have to start sending some help. I, Why? What you mean? Because Kevin can easily go for 40. If, if, 40, if, I'm, 40s. if I'm taking care of Devin Booker and KD's going for 40 KD and I'm limited and, and nobody else is going off and Chris Paul at this point can't be the Chris Paul of 20 and 15. But that's cool, though, because Chris Paul is solid enough. He's serviceable enough. Don't act like Chris Paul just a, just a regular What's dude out there. fascinating, though, Shady. He, hold on, he made some, some big jumpers last night. They left him open. He but, had some big three balls remember, there. And Joy can attest to this because okay. we talked about this on shows dating back a year ago. Chris Paul's great, round one. And he cool in the semis. By the time you get to the conference finals or the NBA finals, them legs gone. He ain't scoring. Th- you talking about so he ain't scoring 25 30s now. He, he, he better not because he can't. He don't need to. Okay. That, that's the difference. We don't need Chris Paul to be Chris Paul to old. Let's be Chris Paul. Solid. Give us 10 points, a couple of assists, and, and meaningful points. Like fourth they also quarter. Have Aiden. And that, I got Aiden. Come okay, on. so here, I'm glad you Come brought on. that up. On the, because this is my issue, and this is the problem. Pick and roll KD. DeAndre Aiden. Ooh could be the solution to a lot of their problems. He could be. Could be. Okay. Well, to get the best out of DeAndre Ayton, okay. you have to involve him offensively. He has to get touches. Now, if you're getting KD going off, you're getting you Booker going, going off, you going? Chris Paul's getting KD only has 17 done. shots. That's like, the thing. He only has 17 are shots. You, I mean, I, look. I mean, but that's on, that's on Monty Williams, who's, who's done a great job with this team so far. You, true, have true. To, you have to be strategic with that. In the, in those in those finals and each okay each, it's really how's the relationship too. how's the oh, relationship yeah, yeah. how's the relationship between Monty Williams and <laughs> 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 little Rocky little Rocky well coming up the relationship between Derek Carr and Money it is very very good because he just signed a big bag to take him to the Saints we got to tell you though is the former Raider going to be a good or bad fit for the New Orleans Saints that is next on Speak let's talk a little football y'all y'all know we let's. love football around here. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, now the quarterback dominoes, they are starting to fall in this historic NFL off 
season. If you haven't been paying attention, Derek Carr signing with the Saints, a four-year deal, $150 million, according to reports. Now, Carr was released by the Raiders after nine seasons, and he's now headed to New Orleans. Remember, that team finished 7-10 last season. When I think about this, this is huge because it's the first domino to fall. You might be thinking, Acho, you're just talking about Derek Carr. No, no, no. Where Derek Carr goes, it has some sort of impact on where Aaron Rodgers goes or does not go. So this is very, very big Mm. news. I think Carr is a good fit for the Saints. Yeah. The reason I think he's a good fit for the Saints, yo, that division's wide open. Shady played in that division. Shady won a Super Bowl in that division. He knows that division well. Let me remind y'all of that division. The current quarterbacks in that division, you have Matt Corral for the Carolina Panthers. You have Desmond Ritter of the Atlanta Falcons. You have Kyle Trask of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Or you will have a rookie that one of those teams or all of those teams will draft. You have Derek Carr, MVP vote Derek Carr. He's gotten one previously. Three-time Pro Bowl Derek Carr. He's been there before. You either have Derek Carr or you have Matt Corral, Ritter, Kyle Trask, or Rookie. Give me the team that has Derek Carr. The team that has Derek Carr in that division instantaneously has an advantage. And the second reason it's a great fit for the Saints, Saints don't play that draft young quarterback game. They don't play that game that everybody else gets fascinated by. The last time the Saints drafted a first-round quarterback, the last name was Manning, Archie Manning, 1971. Archie Manning? Yes, sir. It's the last time. Hmm. So the Saints aren't into that, oh, let me see what that new quarterback going to do for me. (laughs) They like their quarterbacks old and seasoned, and that's what Derek Carr is. Now, Derek Carr is good. I don't know that he's going to be great, but he's good. I think it's good for the Saints. Shady, where you at? I love it for the Saints. And you say he's not going to be good or great. He's going to have to be great. They have a number five defense last year, Mm. right? Them guys over there on defense, they, they, they win games. I think sometimes we get confused with, oh, we have, to have a, we have to have a great quarterback to win games. Tom Brady's a great quarterback. When Matai Bay got that, that ring for me, appreciate it. But there were some games that the defense kind of won. Yeah. And you need that. And the Saints have that. I think with, with some of his, um, you know, Alvin Kamara, some of his weapons out there, Michael Thomas, hopefully he, he gets back to that elite level. And then Chris Alave. You know, Chris Alave is, like is, a, is a hell of a rookie. So you have some pieces there. And I feel like the best thing with Derek Carr is he's a seasoned franchise quarterback. He knows how to win. He's been with a place, dysfunctional place with the Raiders. So many different coaches, so many different coordinators. And then not having a good defense where you have to go out there and win games, right? If you don't play good, they lose. Or with the Saints, right, in a weaker division, that division's bad. Mm. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you see that last year. But then you have a defense where they can go out there and win games. So I love the move for the Saints. It was a plus. I love it. I don't know what's not to love. Derek Carr's clearly a leader. He's clearly a, a, a veteran, a guy who's been through a lot of controversy. He can now go to a place that doesn't have a lot of controversy, right. that has a good defense. People forget. People forget that defense in Vegas was bad, bad last year. Bad, bad. And if you are the quarterback, you got to overcome a really bad defense. Not a middle defense, not just an okay defense. One of the worst in the league. You have to pick up the slack for that when you are on the offense and you are the quarterback, right. which means there's more pressure on the offense, which means they're pushing, which means more mistakes, which I think played a role in his bad season last year. I don't think Derek Carr is bad. I think he's not great. I think he's good enough. And particularly for this division, as we all just went down, I mean, you got Desmond Ritter, Kyle Trask, Matt Corral, or a rookie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They got the defense already. Right. It's a steady organization. And we probably should have seen this coming because Dennis Allen drafted Derek Carr. Yeah. He was there for four games and then got fired because Derek Carr went through six coaches when he was in Las Vegas. Good point. But they have a relationship. So yeah. that's, that, that's clearly something that's important to Derek Carr as well is relationships. He has weapons, as you mentioned, and the Saints are an organization that is well-run. They draft well. They have a good defense. They've got a great fan base. 
Everyone's going to embrace him there. It's not going to be this wishy-washy type of situation. Great ownership. So I think it's a, I think it's a good situation. How far they will go in the postseason, that's going to depend on Derek Carr and his play. Yeah. That's what's really going to come down to. They're clearly the best team in the division right now. Yep. So I, that's, that's what it's going to come down to. I appreciate the way you guys have framed it. Because when you say great and you, when you put the word great and Derek Carr in the same sentence, that's when I start to get nervous. Fair. Okay. Because, look, was Andy Dalton a great fit? I mean, he was a fit, right? And I don't see a whole lot of difference between <laughs> Andy Dalton and Derek Carr. Uh, what I will say is Derek Carr is a great bargain. Because while the, the contract may look at four years, $150 million, this is essentially a two-year deal for – 35 million, not 30 million guaranteed uh, the first two years. So even the Saints aren't saying we're all in on Derek Carr. This is basically getting us through this period where we can have the best quarterback in the division, but not pay a whole lot. And his, his salary only counts 1.5 million against the cap this first year. So that gives them plenty of money to spend on everything else, which is what I think you have to do when you have Derek Carr. So I, I, I can't like, he's the answer, he's the next great quarterback for the Saints. I'm certainly not going to go there. But does it, does it work, and does it make the Saints arguably the best team in the division? Yeah, I'm willing to go there. Here's my only thought, Joy Shady, is this. It's, I, I love that quote, don't miss the boat waiting on the yacht. That's what the Saints have done. Like, they haven't missed the boat trying to wait on the yacht. They haven't missed a good quarterback mm. trying to wait on the right, great right, quarterback. Right. But in the same breath, good is the enemy of great. I do think they mm. will be good with Derek Carr. I think they will win the division. But I can't even speak to say they're going to win a Super Bowl in Derek Carr's tenure there. Because nothing about Derek Carr says he is Super Bowl capable. I understand all the bad defenses and all that. But So I love Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is a great man. I think Derek Carr is a great leader. I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. But I'm only wondering, Joy, are they allowing good to be the enemy of great? Should they have tried to finesse to trade up, get a young QB? Should they have tried to finesse to trade out and maybe stack up first-round picks for the next year? Do they try to just rebuild? Like, do you think they might be fooling themselves by just like you always say, what y'all competing for? Yeah, but there's a lot of teams that we, pray, we play pretend like they're Super Bowl contenders and they're doing the same thing. What's the difference that the Packers doing? They had the same season last year, Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers, and we're, we're at home at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. They have bigger resumes in Green Bay, but there's something to staying competitive as well. Look, once you get into the dance, you never know what can happen. Plenty of teams get in there and make a lot of ruckus in the postseason. Nobody giving them any kind of credit. Injuries happen. You lose a quarterback. You lose a a, a critical offensive lineman. You don't know what's going to happen in the postseason. And this move puts them in a position to win the division, which is Shady said, uh, yeah. is the first thing that you focus on. That's right. You focus on winning the division. That's what they're doing. So I hear what you're saying. I don't like people like when t- teams aren't aggressive to their own detriment. But to me, this is an aggressive move. Go out and get the guy that everybody was, was talking to and, and sign him. Shady, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know that Derek Carr has ever won his division. Does that concern you at all? You can hide behind, well, Patrick Mahomes was there. You can hide behind, well, Phillip Rivers was there. You that, can hide that, behind. That matters, though. That does matter. But does it matter to you that Derek Carr has never actually done the one thing nah, that he has to do? No, nah, I, don't, I don't never believe. I'll never believe I've seen Matthew Stafford win his division, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't think that matters. Yeah. And, and I think that now, I think you take him with, with a better team. First of all, they run the ball well. They do. So if you run the ball well and you had a top five defense and you have a solid quarterback, why, why can't they compete for a championship? They don't got to look pretty. 
long as they get there. They have the tools to, to win a championship. Either you, go, you could have a great offense, which we've seen the last couple of years, or you have a solid running game, a, a, a safe, solid quarterback. I, don't, I wouldn't even put him in a safe quarterback category. He's a solid quarterback. Let's turn the ball over and make some plays down the field. And do you have a good defense? They could compete for a championship. They could have the opportunity. How about yeah, that? Let's that is fair. That. that is fair. Well, coming up, we have to transition to the NBA because this is one of the bigger storylines, really, of the whole season. Ja Morant. We talked about him earlier, but now we're bringing Slick Rick the Buker into the conversation. A lot going on with Ja. We'll update you on the latest next when we return. The NBA it is conducting an investigation into an Instagram Live video the superstar Ja Morant posted recently in which he displayed what appeared to be a gun. Now, the Grizzlies had initially said Morant would be away for two games, but head coach Taylor Jenkins said yesterday that there is no timetable for his return. If you are just joining us, um, this was the most fascinating conversation we've had thus far in the show. We had it earlier. It was very riveting, very intriguing. Glad to have you here. Just as glad, Slick, to have you here. Want to get your thoughts on this. What do you make of the John Moran situation? Uh, it's not new. I'm, I've seen this play out many times over the course of my years covering the NBA. And it's, the, it's a dilemma that every star player, particularly a star player from challenged circumstances who wasn't necessarily anticipating stardom, faces. Because what you're told is, don't forget where you came from, right? What they don't say is, also, don't forget how far you've come. And don't forget that your dream was to get elsewhere. And so for John Morant, you look at, you know, we can look at LeBron James and some other guys who have reached star level, have become the face, not just of a franchise, but of the league. They were anointed very early on, and they've faced that scrutiny and that attention, and they've grown up with it. John Morant grew up in South Carolina. He wasn't anything back then. He went to Murray State. He didn't blow up until he was in the NCAA tournament. And then he goes to the Memphis Grizzlies, drafted second to Zion Williamson. Like, nobody was expecting anything from Ja. And now we're just a couple years down the line, and now suddenly it's not just that he's face of a franchise or he's an all-star. Like, he's supposed to be the face of the league. And that comes with an entirely different responsibility. And that comes with scrutiny that he could not have anticipated even a year ago. So... Uh, again, Joy mentioned it, and I would say the same. Like, I, I, I give him great leeway in terms of all the things that I did in my 20s. If, if, if those things got the attention of what Jaws just got attention for, I don't know that I would be sitting here. That's just the reality. Uh, but fortunately, I, I didn't. And how many, how, many, how many young black men out there are doing exactly what John Morant has done? And are we paying attention to that and saying, you're ruining your life? No, we're doing that because of how far Ja has ascended. The question that I have is, he has an opportunity to be the face of the league. He has an opportunity to be a standard bearer for the entire NBA. Is that what he wants? Does he seek that? Because it's been thrust upon him. I don't know if he wants that. I'm sure he wanted to play in the NBA. I'm sure he wanted to make millions of dollars. Does he want to ascend to the level that he's capable of ascending? That's what we're going to get answered here. So the fact that this happened, I'm not going to, the Shady, I thought it described it well. Like it's, 
if you know Ja, if you know what it's like to be a young black man coming up in South Carolina or wherever, you can say, okay, I can see where this might happen. Yeah. The question is now, you know that this doesn't work for where you are. What are you going to do now? And that's what I'm going to pay attention to. Very, very fascinating. Slick, as you were talking, I'm reminded of the fact that often, if you are a successful black man in society, you are labeled a sellout. Why are you labeled a sellout? Mainly because people who view your success and they deem your success as exclusive feel as though you must have done something that they weren't willing to do in order to have made it to where you've made it. So how can you avoid being a sellout? Well, the only way you can truly avoid being a sellout is if you buy back in. You buy back into the lifestyle that you have already escaped based upon what you have accomplished via your talent, via your intellect, or via the combination of the two. So if Ja, and since Ja is being put or has put himself in this position, I'm just wondering, Shady, the why. Like, what is the why to leading Ja Morant back into positions that, based upon his upbringing, it doesn't appear he would have found himself in? Well, I think it has to do with his age. You know, a lot with Slick said. Slick talked about the stardom. You know, going to a smaller school in college, being, being from South Carolina, kind of in the country, no, not a real big attention. Then you get all this attention. You're not even a franchise of not only just the, the Grizzlies, but potentially the NF and, and NBA. So it's like you become this mega star at 21, 22 years old, where you now you're giving this young kid all this money. Now you become the head of your household, the head of all your, fr your friends' households. So even like the whole thing with the sellout, like it's ways you get around that, you know, by, by giving back to your community. Think about this for a second. I'm real spiritual, and I think that everybody has their own blessings. But all, if all these guys come from the hood, the ghetto, wherever they come from, and all his friends, because people say, oh, some of his friends are not good for him. God picked him to be the new generation. God picked him to be the guy to, to show the example for the kids in his community. All these kids in the world that want to be like John Morant, dunking like him, all that. He chose him. So my thing is, at a young age, it's all a learning experience. Yeah, it was the wrong thing to, to flash the gun on Instagram, but you got to learn. Where now, because I've been there, having a gun for protections, when I got older... Okay, now I'm going to pay the security guard. He's making $200 million. Mm -hmm. Pay the security guard, now he has the guns for protection. Go on different places where um, my life may not be um, at risk or threatened. Yep. Don't make them the, the smart moves. And I don't fault Ja, I really don't. I think like what some, what some people... You don't fault Ja for what exactly? I don't I, want your words to be I misconstrued. I don't fault Ja for making mistakes. Now, granted, he, he probably shouldn't have showed the gun on Instagram. He probably should have had different altercations with a younger kid or et cetera, or even flashing a gun. But I, I can see myself at 22 years old thinking of myself as LaShawn McCoy, the kid that grew up in the hood, the kid that, that, that some of these friends I had that maybe been in and out of trouble with the law, going to church with them. You know what I'm saying? Playing the school, guard, the school ground yard. But now I'm different. Now I'm LaShawn McCoy, the Philadelphia Eagles, all-time leading rusher. Now I'm with the Buffalo Bills. Now I sign a $50 million contract. Now I sign another $40 million. So I evolve. I think the thing with John Moran is he has to learn. These are all lessons. Now he has to learn and evolve. That's from friends. That's different decision-making. Um, and that's the way that he has to do. Going what forward. led you to evolve? What was the moment in your career, either the low point, either the injury, either the legality, either the whatever the case was, what was your point of evolution? What was that pivotal moment where you had to evolve? Man, so many different situations. You know, and, and like, real quick, my father and my mom been married for 38 years. My dad was great. My pops was phenomenal. But there's still times where I made bad decisions because he wasn't always there. 
I got to make some grown man decisions. And I think that the, the, the point where I changed things around was I kept getting sued for being with some of my old friends and I had nothing to do with it. Maybe one of my friends gets to something, does something wrong. The only person they know there is LaShawn McCoy. The only person they know there is John Morant. It's getting sued, losing money. Another thing, I had an incident with the cops. Off-duty cops was this big thing, and they were trying to sue me, and they said I did this, I did that. I did not throw not one punch, but my boys did. But I'm part of them. So I said, you know what? I can't let nobody else jeopardize my career. John Morant, after this point going forward, he has to know, I can't let nothing jeopardize my career. I learned, right? And, I, and it's sad to say I'm happy I went through it. I lost some money in that lesson, but I learned, so okay, from now on, I'm going to be in control of my future. John Morant, same with him. Going forward, these are lessons where now he's in control of his destiny, what his career looks like. You know, I, I, there's no reason for me to have a gun. I let my security do that. So I've been praying for my early half. Joy, take us home. What do you make of the John Morant situation? I mean, I think as young people, what's the one thing you don't understand? Consequences. Because you haven't been, <laughs> yeah, consequences. Because you haven't been on Earth long enough to understand what consequences are. Yeah. You haven't seen the the consequences of your actions play out. You haven't literally been alive long enough to understand it. And certain places in life, you you see the results of that early. Right. But until you have the opportunity to enact that in your own life, mm. you can't really learn. Lessons have to be learned. Why do I always say people change for themselves? Because you can see other people live. You can grow up in a great household. You can have both parents. You can, do, you can have millions of dollars, and you can still make bad decisions. Yep. Why? Because you have to learn yourself. You just do. We do everything we can to help mentor people or be there for kids, be there for our family. But at the end of the day, it's your life and your own choices. Mm. And when you've made mistakes, you know that so very well, so very clearly that you could go back. You said going back to 22. I can go back to myself at 22 or 19. Like, I don't know that person. I don't know who that person is. Hmm. If that person (laughs) met me today, they wouldn't like me. They would think I was a square. They would think I was too buttoned up, that I didn't, that I I wasn't fun because I was I was doing so many self-destructive things. And it wasn't because I didn't have anyone in my life to give me advice. It wasn't because of any other reason that I was young and I had demons I had to sort through and I had to sort through them. No one could do that for me. Mm. No one could go through that journey or walk that path for me, whether it was right or wrong or self-destructive or dangerous. It doesn't matter. Everyone has their own path. I think with, with jaw and many times when people are in public spaces and they're public figures, we project our expectations. Oh, them. I can't stand it. We project Amen. our expectations of you have to be this type of star. You have to be this type of role model. You're not allowed to make mistakes. You're not allowed to make poor decisions. And all of us from an empathetic space don't want any of this to turn violence, which is why this has become the situation that it has. He's not obligated to be a role model. He's not. You're not obligated to talk about social issues. You're not obligated to go back in your community. You're not obligated to be a role model. To me, his, his only obligation is to himself. What does he want out of life? Does he, want, he doesn't have to be the face of the league. He doesn't even have to be the leader of his organization. He has to decide for himself, not just what he wants to represent to the world, because like it or not, you're a public figure. Like it or not, you play in the NBA. You don't have to play in the NBA. He doesn't. He plays in the NBA because it's his talent, but it's, it's, he's, <laughs> he doesn't have to do that. But if and it's you a, do. And it's a choice, and you accept a lot of money to do it, and there's expectations that come with that. And that's something that you learn as you get older. But as a person, everything that Shady said is true. It's, it's boundaries. It's, it's self-respect. It's knowing yourself. 
It's being able to walk up to someone that you've known your whole life and be like, look, I love you, but you and I are on different paths. Nope. And if you're not cool with that, that's fine. I accept that. I will still love you. But unless you do this, and I mean, there's no crossing this line, unless you do this, you can't roll with me no more. And listen, this is a lesson I learned very, hard, very, very hard throughout life many times. And I know it now. Everyone's not meant to go everywhere with you. Everybody can't go. Everybody can't go. Everyone can't go everywhere with you. Everyone's not meant to go everywhere with you. Some people come in and out of your lives at different times for different purposes. That's, that's how the universe has been designed. You, you have friends that you knew in grade school. You don't know where they are now. You thought they would never leave your life. That's Marriages, true. friendships, family. It's, your journey has to be defined by you. And I think the, the overwhelming sentiment for all of the, the, what's going on with John Maria is that we can't project our expectations onto him. It's his choices, and hopefully he makes the right ones. We fight for you, Ja. Well, appreciate y'all sharing your, your insight on that and your transparency and vulnerability. Coming up, we have to transition to the NFL because there is a lot going on in the next 24 hours. The Baltimore Ravens eventually have to make a decision on what they will do with Lamar Jackson. But over the weekend, we have some very interesting quotes from Eric DaCosta, general manager. Will Lamar be franchise tagged and should he be disrespected? Next on Let's transition to the NFL because Lamar Jackson, all eyes are on him and his contract negotiations. He met with the Ravens recently, but they still remain far apart when it comes to a long-term deal. According to reports, the deadline for a franchise tag is also tomorrow. And Ravens executive Ozzie Newsom said all the way up to the time, quote, a lot of energy will be utilized in trying to get a deal done. If not, we'll put the franchise tag on him. Close. Quote, um, Joy, let me come to you first on this one. Should Lamar feel disrespected? Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. He should feel disrespected about the whole thing. This is, they're, they're essentially saying, like, we are putting you on the market. Mm -hmm. If they put the non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar Jackson, they are essentially saying we're open for business. Because this, what does this story mean? Duke knows this. Anytime a story comes out, First thing I do, who does this benefit? <laughs> who wins from this story yep. being out? Because then I can see why it's out mm. and then start making decisions about what I feel about it. This doesn't benefit Lamar Jackson. If they were serious about giving him the money that he wants, this would not even be on the table. Right. Because you, you would not ha even have a chance to let other teams negotiate for him. Mm -hmm. So non-exclusive franchise tag, they're saying, yeah, like you, you worth two, two first round picks to us. You're not worth $230 million guaranteed to us. So yeah, he should feel disrespected. I totally agree with Joy. Like, to him, for him to be in a situation, he's like, what are we talking about? That's disrespect right there. We don't, we don't talk about Josh Allen having to, um, um, you know, potentially get franchise tag to sign a contract. Patrick Mahomes potentially get franchise. We don't have, them dudes ain't have none of that. And Lamar Jackson, he might not be on Patrick Mahomes level, but he's, he's in that category or that boat of all the elite quarterbacks. So why are we, why are we waiting to play this game with him? The problem was, even last year, that they shouldn't have negotiated to get it done. If they didn't get it done last year, it should be a lot closer this year. Because my thing is, you can't win without him. This is not my opinion, <laughs> even though I love to get my opinion. This is what the numbers say. <laughs> For that 2-4 without Lamar Jackson. He's like 46 and like 17. That's the only, only quarterback that has a better record than, than Lamar Jackson is Patrick Mahomes. So, like, you know what you have in a quarterback. Why not pay him? Mm. He should feel disrespected. Slick, how do you think this situation will play out? Uh, I think he's gone. 
And I've I felt, hope he is going. I've felt all along as if this has been an experiment by the Baltimore Ravens. Let's, I mean, let's be honest. Going from the very where they drafted him, did they draft him with the idea that he was going to be their next quarterback? Nah, I think they drafted him as an experiment. Like, we don't know what this is. He's kind of a newfangled quarterback. Let's see if it works with us. But if you look at what they've spent, how they've spent money, have they built around him? No, they've continued to go by their same model. They spend their money on the defensive end of the – or the defensive side of the ball yeah. primarily. So, I, I, you know, to answer the question in terms of disrespect, he's been disrespected all along the way. Because they've never truly treated him like you are our guy. Right, right. And yeah. I can't, every time this comes up, every turn, I feel as if I'm hearing the, I'm, I'm seeing the Kirk Cousins, Washington Commanders scenario just play itself out. And, and this, with, to Joy's point, like we went to his hometown. We went to his hometown to talk to him. We went to, like, the team is trying to set this up. Like, we've tried to do everything we can, in parentheses, within reason, within our parameters, to get this done. And we just can't meet it. So, unfortunately, what I'm expecting is, at some point, the next message is going to be, you know what, we just had to move on. We just couldn't, we couldn't reach mm. an understanding, and we got to move on. And, I, and whether you agree with it or not, I understand where that comes from with the Ravens. Because over the last 15 years... They've made the playoffs 10 times. They've gone by a model. Lamar Jackson doesn't fit their model of quarterback. He doesn't fit their model of how they build teams. And so the fact that they're not all in on him, I get it from the way the organization has operated traditionally over the last few years. You may say it's not right. You may say they're blowing it with Lamar Jackson. The fact of the matter is, I think that that's where their thinking so, is coming from. Wait, wait, real quick. What do you mean by he doesn't fit the model of what they do? What do you mean by that? They, they have not built around the quarterback being oh, the God, driving God. force God. behind their team. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree. It's been defense. It's been running. And we just need a manager. Yeah. And so I, I think the, the way they looked at it was if, if Lamar, like, demonstrates that he can carry us to the Super Bowl, then we'll pay him to carry us there. But he hasn't been able to do that the last year or two. And so they're thinking, we'll stick with our model. Yeah, I think Lamar, I don't know if he should feel disrespected. I think he should feel like this is how the game goes. Here's why I say that, 2-5. Slick drew up the Kirk Cousins comparison as if it was an insult. But I don't think Kirk Cousins is a top six quarterback in football. I think we would unanimously, unanimously agree he's not. Where are we going with this? I don't think Kirk Cousins I will a- tackle you if you say the wrong <laughs> thing. I swear to God. <laughs> You know what? I hope you say the wrong thing. I don't don't think Kirk Cousins is a top six NFL player in football. But Kirk Cousins is the sixth highest paid player in the history of the NFL compared to active players. So we can compare Kirk Cousins' situation to Lamar's situation if you want to. But Kirk Cousins has the sixth most money of active NFL players. You gamble. They would consider that getting it the hard way. He did. It, it, he definitely got it the hard <laughs> People way. People don't want to go that way, Osho. True, 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 true. But he still got it. He still got it. Now, I think Lamar Jackson has played well enough to avoid getting it the hard way. Yeah. But if you want that fully guaranteed Deshaun Watson contract, hey, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to, especially not in Baltimore. Lamar will get what he wants. He won't get it how he wants it. I think Lamar will get a fully guaranteed contract. I don't think it will exclude but Deshaun Watson's. I don't think it will be in Baltimore. There's two sides to that Kirk Cousins story, though. Like, look, Kirk knows how to make some money. Respect. 
He lives no, he lives right. He gotta live right the way he did he it. He definitely lives right. Praying every <laughs> he's, he's on straight and narrow. He knows how to make some money. But what happened in Washington because they played that little game? What you saying Washington took that little game? Yeah. They played that little game. Yeah. Now Baltimore probably feels they're better than Washington. Absolutely. And yeah, they can true. prove it. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yes. Yes. But things change. Times change. Life comes at you fast. We've already gone over it. We've already talked about it. You don't need a top five defense to win a Super Bowl, but what you need is a top five quarterback. Yeah. You did it. Mm-hmm. You did the numbers. You got the names. That's just the facts. Just keep it real. That's, that's all you got to do. do. That's keep what it, I get paid to do. That's right. Keep it real. I get paid what? to keep it real. Ooh, Ooh, I, I, take that. I, I get paid to read the Google machine. And the Google <laughs> machine says you got to have a quarterback. Have a, guy. A, a defense is nice. It's great. You can get to the postseason. You might win a game in the postseason, but you're not winning a Super Bowl without that guy. So it's real cute if you want to play that game. And Baltimore's playing that real cute game. I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out. Yeah. Because it sounds nice until you don't have a quarterback and then you're in a division with Joe Burrow and Mike Tomlin and Kenny Pickett and Deshaun Watson. We're going to see. Sound good. Let's see. If they let Lamar Jackson go, you better be li- where we straight and narrow. Better okay. be living right. But this, <laughs> real talk. But this is the heart of it. Hardball. <laughs> but this is the heart of it. The Ravens don't believe Lamar Jackson is that guy. To pay, to pay the number. No, 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 that no, 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 no. I gotta stop you. Hold up. They don't believe that nobody's two hundred million dollar, two hundred million dollar quarterback. Because that's what the owner said. Yes. The, but, 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 but he nah, said, hold up. They, didn't, he didn't, he they know who Lamar Jackson is. He just though. said he didn't want that deal to be done. I don't know that that means they don't believe it. I thought he I said that he was like no, he, he, he doesn't like it happening. He doesn't like uh, it happening, and he didn't think that Deshaun Watson should have been the guy to get it if it did. But he came out and said it. Like, he's the owner with the guy that who wants wild. that right. money. But well, go ahead, Slate. My right. father. Well, I mean, that goes back to what I said about the Ravens and their approach yeah. and with Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like, they just don't see that as being the case. Right. It's who they always are. Exactly. Who but on top been. of it, but on top of it, I think they left the window open to say, okay, Lamar, you were a, a league MVP. Like, if you can take us there. Then we'll consider paying you. I think, that, I think that was within the realm of possibility. But the reality is, the truth is, he hasn't done that. But nobody Whether, does that. With no help. Nobody me. does that. With like, no help. That's, 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 this is the problem that I get into with, 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 with Lamar and, and talking problem. about he Thank needs you. to carry. Who carries? Thank you. I'm, but I'm saying, like, stop, Shady, Shady said with no help. I said, but Joe Fla- who are the receivers on that squad? We can talk about it. That was, just, he- that was but time 10 out. years ago. That defense was way different, and times are way different. It's we just seen the last five winners, right? It's okay, all offense-based. None of that defense, none of that running. The, the year y'all won, y'all's defense was crazy. Y'all's top five. But the offense was okay, legit, yeah, though. Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, Sean McCoy. All right, what I about the Broncos? Right, well, I didn't, I didn't hey. What about the <laughs> But I like the, the legs matter. But hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> but offensively, though, right? We was loaded. Y'all like that. But he, he made another good point. What, what? about the Broncos paid Manning? What about the Broncos paid Manning? How did they win? That was all defense. All defense. All That whole defense. year or just that game? Whole year, really? Paid Manning had nine touchdowns, 17 Pey- picks. Peyton was not paid. He got benched. Brock Osweiler. Thank you. Thank you. Brock Joy. So, last so, five years, last five years, you're right. The Ravens was 10 years ago, yep. and the Broncos was seven, eight years ago. Times are different. But why can't they come back around? Because Ray Lewis is dead. He's never retired. He ain't never coming back. Ray Lewis and Ed Reed are not. Them days are dead. Them days are over with. And also.
also, also, the game has changed. The literal rules that's, have that's changed. That's another one, yeah. yeah the that is a good one. has changed. I, 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 it's a different league. But everything is, in fact, cyclical. So I, dead, I, don't, I don't think... Yes, <laughs> is it? I, I do think defense can still you know what? do a lot. I, I'm a defense girl. So I'm, I'm play cool defense. with it. That's why you're I'm, I'm cool with it. Let's see. You said they don't feel like they don't believe it. There's, there's believing and there's seeing. So let's see. It. If Lamar's not there, they don't make the playoffs. And I'll bet everybody right now we go to dinner. What? I said it. Okay. They won't make the playoffs if Lamar, Action Jackson, number eight, is not on that team. Are you looking at that division? Man, yeah. Well, look, coming up, the Lakers are trying to make the playoffs, and they are getting closer, even without LeBron James. The king? Somebody got to make sense of that. We got to tell you, are we surprised by the Lakers' success? Without one of the best players to ever play the game of basketball. Oh, I can't believe I'm going to for the Ravens next week. The Lakers face the world champ Warriors. See, this is how you know our producers are Warriors fans. Run out back up to top. The Lakers face the world champion. Cannot be stopped. Golden State Warriors. I cannot stand these producers. Coleman and Heller, y'all not writing. And AJ, y'all ain't writing another script for as long as I'm doing this show. Okay, let me tell y'all what we're actually about to talk about. I don't need the script. I'm not reading it anymore. The Lakers, they faced the Warriors yesterday. Steph Curry came back. Iguodala played, I think, just his fourth game of the season. It was dicey times. The Lakers have been without LeBron James for four games now. But Anthony Davis, over the course of that four-game stretch, has been absolutely balling. balling. Yeah. Lakers are 2-2. Two and two. Now, you might think to yourself, Acho, 2-2, two and two, what's the big deal? They were 23-24, and 24, I believe, in games that LeBron James has played. So to be at 500 is a big deal when you were slightly below 500 with the King. I can't say that I'm surprised by the Lakers' success because I think those roster additions right before the trade deadline, they're adding up. Yep. Shady's talked about this. Joy's talked about it. Slick, we've all talked about it. The Lakers are hungrier than we've seen them be in two years. The Lakers are scrappier than we've seen them be. They are younger than we have seen them they be. Are young. And they just play harder than we have seen them play. That game yesterday, it really was a game of want to. That game when they came back from down 27 against the Dallas Mavericks a week ago yesterday was a game of want to. We see the Lakers want it. You got to want it more than the opponent. We make sports into so much, particularly on television. But within locker rooms, more often than not, the pervasive thought by your coach is, you just got to want it more than them. Mm. And finally, we are seeing the Lakers want it more than the opponent. I love it. I'm not surprised by it. Not yet, at least. Slick, you surprised by Lakers' success without the King? I, I am not. Again, because of the Anthony Davis that we're seeing. And I agree with you on the additions. And I believe that they've captured a little bit of what they had in the bubble year. Because if you look at that roster, it was a bunch of pieces that people didn't think a whole lot of. Mm -hmm. And they all came together and said, we want to prove something collectively. Yeah. And I believe that's what you're getting here, is that you've got a group of guys in Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley who, uh, and D'Angelo Russell who want to come in and say, hey, you know what? You've painted us a certain way. We want to show that we're capable of getting this done. Now, all that said, they are a 500 team. They lost to the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. They beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. And if we're getting all excited because they beat the Warriors on World Sunday. World champion Warriors. Yeah. The 7-23 on the road Golden State Warriors. The Warriors have been what, and they're largely a 500 team this year. Let's be honest. Not, you know, regardless of what our producers may think. They are, they are not the world champions now. They're, they're the reigning world champions from last year. 
But guys like Ty Jerome and Anthony Lamb and Dante DiVincenzo, and I've seen, I've experienced it because uh, I've been plenty of games at Chase Center this year. That building gets going, and Steph or Clay hits a three, and the fans go nuts. And suddenly all those guys, they think like our producers. Oh, we're, we're the defending champion Golden State Warriors. And they play like it there. Now, when you go on the road, you don't have that crowd going nuts when Steph hits a three or Clay hits a three. And you don't, you don't, it's quiet. The, the yeah. young guys don't have that embrace. And so they play at a different level. So all that, I say all that because the Lakers beat the Warriors on Sunday, but they didn't beat the Warriors on Sunday. Me? I'm a Warriors fan, so I wasn't happy about it. But I'll, I'll say this, though. <laughs> I am surprised about the Lakers, right? Uh, particularly in this defense. The, 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 the role players been playing solid. Playing their role. Right? I mean, if you look at something like even like Austin Reeves, he's been shooting the ball lights player. out. And so imagine getting all that confidence – Without the king. Because mm-hmm. when the king's there, when your leader's there, you get more confidence. You got somebody that's a coach on the floor, right? But he's not there and you're still playing, very productive. I'm surprised. I mean, I like the way they're going. Anthony Davis another one. He, every time he hits oh. the floor, he's, he's always grabbing something. I haven't been saying that. Mm-hmm. He's, been, he's been playing solid. Take the street clothes name off. To, you know, whoa, 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 Not so fast. Not okay, so okay, fast. okay, okay, right, right. Okay? Because yeah. we've seen this. We saw this this year. Yeah. LeBron was out for five games. He played like a monster. They went three and two. Then he had to take a game off. Then he played four games and he was pretty good. And, and then he <laughs> had to take like twenty though. games off. The bubble AD, Troy, uh, like t- it. take us home. I mean, I, I I am surprised they're playing like this. I, I wanted AD to step up. This was his moment. He has been. Granted, they're only five hundred. They've got a little more work to do. They need to stay consistent with this. But I think this is great for the Lakers. And I know it's not the world champion Golden State Warriors uh-huh. that we are used to seeing, but that's still a great team, and that's a big yeah. win for them. That's a, another confidence win, particularly Fair. for the new guys and the young players. I think it's been great for Darvin Ham yeah. to get a win like that. I, th- I think this has all looked pretty good for Rob Palinka as well because this was, this was the move. These were the questions. Are you going to bring in pieces to complement everybody and AD stepping up? So I, I, think it's a, I think it's a great momentum win, something to build on for the Lakers. Yeah, well, what we know now is y'all producers are not writing another Warrior space script <laughs> coming up. Okay, coming up, we got to take care of some family business. Y'all do not want to miss it. Thanks for hanging with us. We got a little bit more for y'all when we return. Do not go anywhere. favorite thing from all of sports yesterday was Giannis Antetokounmpo getting the triple-double, knowing he was one rebound away, so he shot the ball, missed it intensely right at the end of the game. Got it. Why do I love it, Slick? Because if y'all are going to give Jokic an MVP because he has 10,000 triple-doubles in only 900 games, then Giannis got to do it. Can't beat him, join him, Slick. Boy, no. You know what? He went full Ricky Davis. I don't care. You never go full Ricky Davis. (laughs) I like that he's aware. That he needed one more rebound. What? He was aware of his stats? Yes. That's right, yeah. No, that's not a good thing. One, thing. one thing about, about an athlete, you don't, you don't know, know the what the stats are. You don't know them stats. You don't know. Like, Every time he shorts him one yard. No, 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 no. <laughs> Coach, I need the ball. Coach, why? I need to get over that thousand. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Hey, Giannis, don't let him hold you back, big dog, because when it comes down to that MVP, I got to make sure Slick has your name on the ballot. That's, that's it for true. us. Race Hub is next. <laughs> 